0: Welcome to the Soda Baptist Church podcast. This message is part of the teaching ministry of Soda Baptist Church in Livingston, Texas. We hope that you are encouraged and challenged to grow closer in your walk with Christ through this message. We invite you to check out our website at www.sodabaptist.org for more information about our church. this morning i want us to look first of all at ephesians chapter 5 and verse 23 ephesians chapter 5 and verse 23 I had a lot of trouble this week coming up with the direction that I was wanting to go this Father's Day message, and it wasn't whether or not I was going to preach a Father's Day message or not uh if we were to stop and and address all of the things that the scripture talks about Father's Day, I'm telling you we could I could preach for months on the subject of Fathers, so it wasn't that i didn't I wasn't going to speak on father's day and and what it was talking about, but it was just what. Where am I going to nail down what we as a church need today? That was where, where my direction was. And, and as men and it, as, as fathers, I want you to know when we look in the Scriptures, it is a huge responsibility. I, I hope we understand that. It is a huge responsibility that God has placed on fathers. I'll tell you what, I, I, I do marriage counseling a lot. And one of the things, when I sat down and addressed the man when it comes to marriage, I said, listen, you are free. I'm fixing to get up. I, I'm afraid I'm going to move and it's going to squeal on me again. As men, before you get married, you are free to make your own decisions, to do what you want to. and You are, you are only responsible for yourselves when, before you get married. And I try to make sure that our men understand that when you say I do, what you're doing is you are deciding to accept a great responsibility as men. We are accepting a responsibility. When you decide to say I do and you get married, I want you to know you are agreeing with God that you are going to be a provider for the woman that you just said I do with, that you just took vows. Well, you're going to be this secure. You're going to Protect her. You're going to do all of these things. And not only that, when you, when you say, I do, and then you start building a family, all of these responsibilities fall on the husband, on the man. Amen. Listen, it's not my idea. This is the way God established it. This is the, this is the chain of command, so to speak, that we follow. So what we're going to address this morning, we're going to be talking about the father figure. And as men, God has called us, and these are the things that I I put down. These are the things that He has called us to be. He has called us to be leaders, providers, protectors. He has called us to live an example in front of them. He has called us to be teachers. He has called us to be responsible And He has called us to be the heads of our families. And I want you to know some of those things are not politically correct, but I'm not concerned about that. I'm concerned about what God's Word says. I'm concerned about what the truth of God's Word says. And when we get outside these guidelines of God's Word and the truth and how He he established the family, I want you to know there becomes a breakdown in our society, There becomes a breakdown in our family when you get outside the way God has established it. So what I want to do this morning, I want to reestablish what God has established in His Word concerning the Father figure. To be the man of God and the Father that God wants us to be, it is a very big responsibility. And that's the reason why today we have so many fatherless homes. Let me say it again. I'm telling you, to be the father that we're supposed to be, it is a grave responsibility. And because of that weight is so heavy, and because that responsibility is so great, that is why we have so many fatherless homes. This morning, I want us to look first of all at Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 23. Ephesians chapter The enemy, we were talking about how he is he is always out to destroy us and he is out to defeat us. I want you to know, one of the ways that he destroys and he defeats us is by attacking the fathers of our country. The fathers in our homes. If he can just divide and separate a father from a family, I want you to know, he has, he has made great strides in destroying the social structure of America or any nation. I want you to know it's, it's, that's one of the bullseyes for him is to destroy that father uh, uh, example. Children advocate leaders today agree that almost every, listen to this, every social ill facing children today is a result of fatherless homes. Now, let me say that again so you can catch what I just said. The children advocate leaders, these are, these are the children advocates of, our, of America that are dealing with the situations with children. And the problems that they're facing with children, most of the situations that they face are a result of children who are coming from fatherless homes. These are the top six that they face. Poverty. A family without a father, and I've got numbers on these that I'm not going to continue. Just go over. But poverty affects that family or those children. Drug and alcohol abuse. Greater children out of fatherless homes are involved with drugs and alcohol. Physical and emotional problems. Uh, They score lower in their educational scoring. They have a higher crime rate. Sexual activity in a fatherless home, the sexual activity starts at a younger age, and teen pregnancy is higher in fatherless homes. As a matter of fact, here are some numbers. 30% of the kids in America today are in fatherless homes. 30%. The suicide rate in fatherless homes is five times higher than the average. 90% of the children who are homeless in America today come from fatherless homes. 85% of the kids with behavioral disorders come from fatherless homes. 70% of high school dropouts come from fatherless homes. 75% of the kids in drug abuse are uh, 75% in the drug abuse recovery programs come from fatherless homes. Now, notice this. You notice how great and high these numbers are, understand that they're only coming from 30% of the population of the children in America. Although they're scoring at the very highest percentage of these, it comes from these 30% where the fatherless homes are being affected. So you understand now why when we look at God's Word and God gives a great responsibility, Satan looks and says, Hey, listen. If I can get the father out of the home, man, I've got this thing licked. Forty percent of the population of our prison systems today are men and women who come out of fatherless homes. Forty percent. So when we look at the situation and when we look at the problem here, I want you to know a huge problem in America today is absentee fathering. Absentee fathering. And again... When I do marriage counseling and I'm talking with a young man that's ready to get married and I know they're excited about getting married and, man, they look into the future, I'm telling you, I let them know right right up front, when you say I do, what you are agreeing to is to being the spiritual leader of that home, the financial leader of that home, the securing security leader of that home. You are stepping into an, a huge responsibility are you sure you want to take this on your shoulders? Because it is huge it is a huge responsibility. I tell you I was talking to uh my my nephew had a friend that he went to Jacksonville Baptist College with and this young man was from Ghana. Yes, from Ghana, South Africa. And my nephew was talking about he said he was fixing to go out on a date and And the young man from South Africa looked at him and he says, a date? He says, you're living with your mom. Why are you going out on a date? See, he didn't understand why you would pursue a young lady if you were still living at home with your mom. See, in Ghana, in Ghana, before you ever dated, you had a secure job. Before you ever dated, you had your house already built and you've got a a place to, to provide protection and shelter for the one that you were going to marry. You already had that in line before you even started dating. Because you see, in Ghana, they said the responsibility of the man is to provide these things. So if you can't provide those things, you are not supposed to be married yet. That is definitely not our culture. I'm not saying that it shouldn't be, though. I'm saying that it should be. So this is what I want to look at this morning. Let's begin in in Ephesians chapter 5, and I want us to look in in verse number 23. This is a a verse that, and and listen, we're not going there this morning. Uh, Especially in our society today, a lot of women don't like this verse because it says that the husband is the head of the wife i tell you what, if you will sit here and you will look at these scriptures and you'll put it in the context that it's supposed to be in, it is not saying that, women, you are your husband's slave. It's not saying that at all. Because in the whole context of this, it's talking about the family. And it is talking about that the, the husband is the head of the family. And this is where great responsibility is put on the man in the home. So look in verse number 23, and this is what it says. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Look down in verse number 30 now. Verse number 30. Because I want us to make sure that we understand that this is the family that he's talking about. All right. This is the family that he's talking about. In verse number 30 it says, For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. He is talking about this family unit, and he's comparing it in the relationship as Christ to the church, as we answer to Christ as the head of our, our church, he is also saying that as, as the man answers to Christ, the woman comes under subjection to him, the children come under subjection of her, and that's what it's all talking about. So when we're looking at this this morning, do not sit here and go home and say, yeah, the preacher said that you're supposed to listen to me, honey. Where's my supper? Now I want you to know the devil likes to send that home with you. I'll tell you what, I've never met a lady. I've never met a woman who was willingly submit herself to her husband when her husband was submitted unto the Lord. I've never met an unsatisfied woman whose husband was submitted to the Lord that she would submit to his guidance and leadership. Now I have met many women who will not follow their husbands because their husbands only follow their own wishes and own wants. And we find that scriptural also. That that's, that creates a problem. I want you to know Satan's desire is to destroy the family. And the easiest way to destroy the family is to destroy the, lead, the leader. How do you, how do you uh, destroy a nation? How do you kill a snake? You cut the head off. You stop the leadership, and when the leadership is, is done, the rest of the body falls right in place. The target for the world today for Satan is the head of the home, which is to be the man. Amen. Is right. Amen. So, in looking at this, in looking at this, I want us, as I was sitting here and I was looking at, at the title of our message. Uh, the figure or the father figure, I want us to just sit there and take some time this morning and I want to to look at what I call some one-liners. We look at the scripture and as father figures, these are some positions that we need to be taking. These are positions that we need to be taking. Man, I hope that this morning before we're done, our fathers in this room are willing to pull up their bootstraps and say, okay, I'm going to head our family in the direction that we need to go. Don't care what the world thinks. Don't care what how the other fathers around me are doing. But I'm going to do the way the Word of God tells me to lead and direct my family. So let's look at this one first of all. Joshua chapter 24. Joshua chapter 24. And verse number 15. Now let me give you kind of what's going on here in Joshua chapter 24. Joshua is the one that took, Paul, uh, took Moses' place in leading the children of Israel out of Egypt. Joshua has led the children of Israel into the promised land. They have claimed some or most of the promised land. They've got settled down. Now what's happening in the promised land, all of these people that God has led to claim this land, they've got settled in. They're getting comfortable. And Joshua is seeing a trend taking place. The trend that he sees taking place is these families have come in and now they're following the gods of that community, instead of the God that has led them out of the uh, out of uh, out of bondage and brought them to this promised land, so Joshua makes this one-liner statement. And man, if we would just if we men would stand up and do this, in Joshua chapter twenty-four and verse fifteen, it says, "And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve." Whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. And here he says it. But it's for me and my house. We're going to serve the Lord. I don't care what your neighbor's doing. I don't care how your friend is leading his family. I don't care what the, the nation of America is doing. He says, but as far as me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Period. No wiggle room right there. He says, we're going to serve the Lord. And if you are serving the Lord today, this is your guidebook right here. This is the one that tells you how to raise your children, how to spend your money, how to save your money, how to worship the Lord, how to attend. how to Everything that you need to know is right here. And I'll tell you, the problem in America today is we've gotten away from this right here. That's the problem in America today. This one-liner statement, as far as me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Here's another one-liner. Daniel, go to Daniel with me. Uh, Well, let's just start with Daniel. Daniel chapter 6. Let's look at him first. Daniel chapter 6. Daniel chapter 6. We'll look at verse number 7. Now this is where, this is the situation we find Daniel in. Alright? Daniel has found himself in a situation, if you understand the situation Daniel's in, Daniel is a captive. Daniel is a slave, okay? They've gone to, the Babylonians have sent their armies over to Jerusalem They took these people in Jerusalem, the Jews, captive, and they have shipped them 900 miles away, which is presently would be right in the middle of Iraq, to Babylon. That is where now they are captives. And Daniel has always served the Lord. The Bible tells in chapter 1, Daniel says, and he purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself by eating the the king's food. Daniel said when he was just a teenage boy, listen... I don't care what everybody else that does that's captive over here, but I'm not going to defile myself. I'm going to serve the Lord. So when this decree came out, they set up a decree, and they said, listen, for the next 30 days, Almighty King, this is some of Daniel's enemies, Almighty King, for the next 30 days, let's just make it a law that no one can pray to any of their gods. Now, God Almighty, Jehovah God, was not the only God that these people served. They had multitudes of gods. But he said, O oh, king, for the next 30 days, let's just make this rule that nobody can pray to anyone but you for 30 days. And if we catch anybody praying to any other god but you, let the punishment be death by being thrown into the lion's den. The king said, Hey, that sounds like a pretty good idea the king signed that order, understanding that this group of men were setting Daniel up, but Daniel had to then make a decision. Look what it says in Daniel chapter 6 and verse 7. It says, All of the presidents of the kingdom, the governors and the princes, the counselors and the captains, have consulted together to establish this royal statute to make a firm decree that whosoever shall ask a petition of any god or man for thirty days Save, O thee, O king, he shall be cast into a den of lions. That was, the, that was the decree. The next verse tells us the king was a great... He agreed to that. He signed it. Listen, their policy was if you signed it, you couldn't back out on it. It doesn't matter. It's the law. Look what it says in Daniel chapter 6 and verse 9. Wherefore, King Darius signed the written and the decree. Now, when Daniel knew... That the writing was signed. He went into his house, and his windows were open unto the chamber toward Jerusalem. He knelt upon his knees three times a day, and he prayed, and he gave thanks to his God as he did aforetime. In other words, Daniel did not go out of his way, and he says, Well, I'll just show them. All Daniel was doing was what he did every single day. It did not matter what the decree was. I will not conform to the world that is around me. I'm going to continue to serve the Lord. We need men who will do just that. Not going to conform to what the world says. Not going to conform to the... Hey, I'm not, talking, I'm not bringing up civil disobedience, but I refuse to conform to some of the worldly ways that our government today has said we're supposed to act like. I refuse. Put me in prison. Put me to death. I refuse to be an ungodly man because our nation is an ungodly nation. Daniel said, If you throw me in the lion's den, then throw me in the lion's den, but I will not conform to this ungodly manner of not praying, I am going to pray to my Lord. Man, what a great example it would be if our children of our society today saw us bowing on our knees before an almighty God and letting them know that we believe in an almighty maker called God. That would be a great testimony. Because let me tell you, We have Muslims in this world that three times a day will take their mat and they will lay it out. And it doesn't matter if they're in an airport. It doesn't matter where they're at. And they'll bow down and they'll worship and pray to a God of their imagination. Because according to the Bible, Allah, there is no God called Allah. Although people recognize that, their Bible tells us that there is one God. And that is the God Jehovah. And we've got people who are worshiping a, a false God that is more faithful sometimes than the Christians who serve a living God. It is time as fathers that we stand up and we practice and we serve a living God regardless of what the world around us thinks. Another one in this same category, Daniel. Flip back a couple of verses or pages to Daniel chapter 3. Daniel chapter 3. This is another familiar event that took place in the Bible that most of us are familiar with. Daniel had three friends when he was taken over to Babylon. We talk about, we read about them in chapter 1 also. Of all of the Jewish boys that come over, we only read about four of them that made this stand and said, We will not. Go against our God by eating of these foods. These other three guys were part of that. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Well, now they're faced with another situation where they're going to have to make a stand. And this is, again, one of these one-liners that we as God's men need to stand on. They said, okay, we're going to... Old King Nebuchadnezzar made this great... Figure or this image, and he, he said, listen, here, I'm going get to get them to play the musical instruments, and I want all of the people in this nation to bow down before this image that I have raised up. And then what he said, he said, listen, if they don't bow down, this is what I want you to do. Throw them into a fiery furnace. This was the rule. I want you to know our government today are making rules that are ungodly and asking us to do things that are ungodly, Praise God, we've got people who are making a stand and saying, I don't care what they say that we've got to do. I'm going to stand on God's Word. That's where we need to be. Look at what the Scripture says, Daniel chapter 3 and verse 15. They refused to bow down. King Nebuchadnezzar gave them a second chance. This was their reply. Now if ye be ready that at what time you hear the sound of the cornet, the flute, the harp, the sabbat, the pomsey, the dulcimer, and the kinds of music, ye fall down and worship the image which I have made. Well, but if you worship not, you shall be cast the same hour in the midst of a burning fiery furnace. And who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? Oh man, I'm glad he asked that question. Who is this God that's going to deliver you out of my hands? I am the ruler of the world today. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our king, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. He said, I don't care what happens, I refuse. It's time men in America stood up and said, I refuse. Praise God for bakers who refuse to make cakes to celebrate an ungodly wedding. Praise God. We've got to make a stand somewhere, and it might as well be on the Word of God. And you know what? It, and, and this is what I appreciate about those folks. Do you know some of those folks have lost their businesses? They've lost their income. They lost their ways of making a living because they refused to go against the ways that God had told them they should be. They've sacrificed it all. And most people today would not be willing to sacrifice if it's going to harm my income. Hey, listen. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were willing to offer their lives. As a matter of fact, (laughs) had it not been for God Almighty, their lives would have been taken. But God is the God of all things. He is able to control the situation you're in. So never fear. Make a stand. Make a stand. Fatherly examples, being that father figure. Turn with me to Mark chapter 5 for a minute. Let's look at another father and what he done. Mark chapter 5 and verse 21. Mark chapter 5 and verse 21, this is what we find. We'll just begin reading there, and it says, And when Jesus was passed over again, the ship unto the other side, much people gathered unto him, and he was nigh unto the sea. And behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus, by name. And when he saw him, he, he fell at his feet. And he besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter, lieth. At the point of death, I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her, and she will be healed, and she shall live. And Jesus went with him, and much people followed him, and they thronged him. Listen, this is the fatherly example right here. This man had a situation in his home. You know where he went to? He went to Jesus. Now, I don't know if you even know the rest of the story. But when he ran up against the wall, when he ran up against a situation, when he ran up... He went to Jesus. I'm telling you, as fathers, when I I read that over in Ephesians, and it tells us to be the head of the home, to be the head of the wife, as Christ is our head, this is what he said. He said, listen, I've not called you to do this on your own. I've called you to do this under my headship. You come to me with everything you've got. Father in heaven, I just don't know. I've got this wayward child. I don't know what I want to be. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Hey, listen, if you've got a wayward child, you bring it before the Lord. Ask him. Read his word. He'll show you exactly what you need to do. Father, I don't know here your situation I've lost my job. I've got this note coming. I don't know what to do. I want you to know read God's word. He'll tell you exactly what to do, where to go. But so many times, instead of going to the Lord with our problems or our situations, we go to the world. He says, come to me. Jairus is showing an example of what a father should be. Take your situation before the Lord. And if you know the rest of the story, I'm I'm not going to read it, but the rest of the story is, he says, listen, my daughter is sick. Would you come and and lay your hands on him? She'll be healed. Before they got to her house, she died. And Jesus says, hey, Jairus, don't worry. We'll take care of this. I want you to know when we got a situation, a father turns to the Lord and not the world. That's the figure of a father right there. Let me look at another one. Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16 in verse 6. I hope I'm not drawing you weary. I really do. I hope I'm not making you weary in all of the scriptures that we're going to. I'm telling you we need to be in God's Word more today than we've ever needed to be in God's Word. Acts chapter 16. In verse number 26, Paul and Silas has been preaching. And just like the world today, Paul and Silas is teaching about Jesus Christ. Listen, this is what Paul is telling them. Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Jesus Christ came and He loved you so much that He died on a cruel cross for you. He shed His blood. Jesus Christ died and they put Him in a tomb. Three days later, He rose from the dead. And if you will believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that He died for your sins, that He rose from the grave. If you will believe that, you can be saved. And the people say, we're not listening to this nonsense. They took Him, they beat Him in silence, they chained Him to the floor of a jailhouse. There was other men chained in the floor of that jailhouse. They had a prison guard watching over them. And in the middle of the night Paul and Silas begin to sing praises unto God. I I better not chase that rabbit trail. My goodness gracious. They were beaten, thrown in prison, and man, they just continued to praise God. We can something really small can happen in our lives and we we want to point our finger to God. Man, he prayed, they were praising God. Verse number 26, And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundation of the prisons were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bands were loose. Man, the shackles fell off every prisoner down there, and the keeper of the prison awoke out of his sleep, and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that some of the prisoners had been fled. But Paul cried out in a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light and he sprang, it sprang in and came trembling and he fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, Why in the world would he ask this question? He asked the question, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? I want you to know that prison guard saw something in Paul that he'd never had before. Now, the father figure here is not Paul. The father figure here is not Silas. The father figure here that I want to point out tonight or this morning is the jailer. Because this is what the father figure done. And they, verse 31, and they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved, and thy house. And they spake unto him the words of the Lord, and to all that were in his house. And he took them that same hour of the night and he washed their stripes and was baptized, he and all in his straight way. And when he had brought them into this house, he set meat before them and rejoiced, believing in God with all of his house. When that jailer found out how to be saved, he went home and told his family. He became exactly what the Word of God tells us that we are to be. Spiritual leaders in our homes. We are, to be our, we are to be the spiritual leaders. We are to be the spiritual leaders in our home, men. That's what God calls us to be, is the spiritual leaders. We're to be the teacher. We're to be the protector. We're to be the provider. We're to be the responsible one. It is our job according to God's Word. It's not what our society says, but this is what God's Word says. The last illustration that I want to use, and I'm not going to. It's in in Luke chapter 15. I I think most of you, when I tell you this is the story of the prodigal son, uh, I I think this is a this is an area where I believe our nation is, if we will look at this father figure in this picture. I, I could preach a whole sermon, and I have On this one scripture right here, and done a whole Father's Day sermon on just this one set of scriptures here. But what I want us to see in this scripture right here is the Father is at home. Where did the Son go? The Son went to the far country. All right? The Father is here. The Son went here. Let me ask you, did the father go over here and move his responsibility over here to where the son is in the foreign country living this riotous life? Did he shed his protection over his son? Did he watch out over him, make sure he had enough to eat, made sure he come home in time for bed? Did he go over here? No. The father was here. The father was here and the son has left the protection. The son has left the shelter. The son has left the provision. The son has left the teaching. And he's gone to the far country. But the key to this father figure that I love right here, and it says, and uh, let me see if I can pick it out right here. Verse number 20. Luke chapter 15 and verse number 20. And he arose and he came to his father, but when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him. His father saw him. I want you to know his father was praying for him, looking for him to come home. I'll be addressing this subject tonight. But the Heavenly Father is right here, and I want you to know America founded its its country on the Father right here. And I want you to know America has gone to the far country. And we are not under the protection of the Father. We are not under the provision of the Father. We are not there. Now listen, as God's people, we can still be there. But as a nation, our country has gone far from what it ought to be. And I want you to know our Heavenly Father is looking for us to return. We need to be the figure of a Father. Men, we need to be the figure of the Father. We've got a bunch of one-liners in here where God just tells us, hey, this is, this is, how, this is what we need to be. <laughs> and and I, I wish it was easier to stand and encourage us as, our fa- as fathers. I wish it was easier. <laughs> I wish I could stand here and say, okay, guys, it's going to be all right. Everything's going to be all right. Just keep going the direction that we're going. That'll make you feel mighty good, but that's not the truth. We need to meet men who will stand up for God's Word. For me and my house, no matter the direction of the world, I will serve the Lord. This morning, if you're here and you've never accepted Christ as your personal Savior, The only way that you can lead your family spiritually is to know Christ as your personal Savior, as a Father. Women, the only way that you can lead your family spiritually is to know Jesus Christ as your Father, your Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ. I hope our teenagers and our kids, our young people that are here, as you prepare to get older and as you prepare to one day get married and have your own families, I hope you're not going to wait until the day that you say, I do, to decide, okay, now I'm going to start following the Lord. You've waited way too long. The time is now to make Jesus Christ your Lord. Let's stand together. Father, thank you for this time that we're able to spend together. And, and I know, Father, that the reason that I, I am the man that I am today is because of my earthly father and the example that he said in front of me. God, I've heard testimony of of people right here in our church that have said they didn't have an earthly father that was there, but that their church family, the deacons, the teachers, the men of that church were their spiritual fathers, their father figure that they looked up to. God, I pray as we... Stand here today and we recognize that. I pray that you would just cause us to to be even stronger in our faith towards you. Help us lead out in a direction that we need to lead out in. Father, I want to thank you for all that you've done for us this morning. Thank you most most of all for your son Jesus and that relationship we have with you as our Heavenly Father through your son Jesus. I just want to give you this time of invitation. It's in his name I pray. Amen. You respond this morning if you need to respond.